Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, attitudes to women's roles have changed a lot in the last several decades, but some influential people still believe women's place is in the home. One of the male representatives from a very conservative area stood up and said, we don't need more childcare. We need to do away with the need for childcare. Coming up, pushing for change in a conservative place. much do you know about Utah? Maybe if you're a film fan, you think of the Sundance Film Festival, which takes place there every year. Or maybe you're an outdoors type and you've been hiking or biking in one of Utah's incredible state parks. But a lot of us, when we think of Utah, we can't help thinking about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the Mormon Church. Because Utah is where the Mormon faith was born in the 19th century, and it's where the church still has its headquarters. About 60% of the population is still Mormon. And it's fair to say Mormonism is a conservative faith. Men have the power within the church, and attitudes to gender at home and outside tend to be quite traditional. In Utah, plenty of women start college, but quite a few drop out to get married and start families before they graduate. Most women work in some capacity, but you'll find very few women in public life or in leadership roles in business. Though that said, a lot of women today are starting their own businesses. The state also has one of the highest wage gaps in the U.S. So what do you do when you have progressive ideas about women's place in the world, but you're surrounded by traditionalists? If you're like Patricia Jones, you try slowly, steadily to change minds. Pat describes herself as a very open-minded Mormon. She's always had a career, including more than a decade as a politician. She's in her mid-60s now, and these days she is CEO of the Women's Leadership Institute in Salt Lake City. She grew up outside Salt Lake City, and she had a different kind of upbringing from most of the other girls in her neighborhood. I was the fourth of five children. My mother was a career woman growing up, which was rare in the 50s. See, I I was born in 1950. So, you know, in those days, I was one of, I think I had only one other friend whose mother worked outside the home. And why did your mother? My mother, because I think I'm a little bit like her. She loved it. She, you know, they needed the money, certainly. But I think she actually got motivated by, you know, going into the office every day. And and she did some very important things. She helped run the whole company. She worked for a company that provided industrial tools, and they were quite well known, a fairly large company. And, you know, she would do bids internationally. She was challenged by that and, you know, loved to meet people from different countries. 
Pat's mum also didn't put up with what many women felt they had to back then. She worked for the ABC affiliate here and was harassed. And so, you know, when she was approached one day, she told him to pretty much to stick it and she changed jobs. So you can see, I mean, that would, that would have been in the early 50s. And things were, you know, I guess you could say they're in some ways similar today, but it's quite different today in some ways too. But she tells me those stories of, you know, she was a beautiful woman and she'll be 95 this year. With her mother as a role model, Pat says she always knew she wanted to work and have a family. She married young and had a son, but she got divorced when he was little. Then she met her second husband and they soon had children of their own. Five years after they married, they set up a business together, conducting market research and doing focus groups for various clients. In 1980s, when we incorporated, we started with two of us, just he, he and I. <laughs> we had two little kids. One was just barely a year old, one was three, and then my older son was about seven. We started a business, and it grew and grew, but I tell you, I, I spent a lot of nights and, uh, and days. It was hard work, but I loved it. She particularly enjoyed talking to all those people in focus groups, gathering their opinions. I became pretty good at it and uh, fairly well known at it. But what I heard from people, especially in Utah, was they felt like their legislators were not listening to the needs of public education in our state. And it kind of stuck with me. And I felt the same way. I had kids in school. She kept mulling over the problems in the school system. But like most people, her first thought was not, let me get into politics so I can change this. She says that idea came from the then Attorney General of Utah, a woman called Jan Graham. Pat knew her because she'd done some research for her political campaign. And initially, she told her, no, politics is not for me. And she kept saying no, but Graham wouldn't give up. So Jan Graham, uh, Attorney General Jan Graham, called me every day for about two weeks and just begged me to run. And finally, I just said yes, just to kind of get her off my back. When Pat was elected as a congresswoman, there were quite a few raised eyebrows in and around Salt Lake City. She had run and won as a Democrat, but her business had done a lot of work over the years with Republican politicians on their campaigns. It was quite surprising, and there were some letters in the, or articles in the newspaper about, you know, what a big risk this was for me. But I think I'm here to say that I think a lot of people who are Republicans don't always agree with everything Republican, and I think they felt like I was able to work across the aisle quite well and pull it off. Well, yeah, you you talked about that. You said that you, you made an effort to befriend your Republican colleagues. Yes, and something happened today that reminded me of that. Women make a huge mistake When they go into a committee or a meeting where there are very few women, which was the case for me this morning at our Salt Lake Chamber Board meeting, and they go hang out together, they sit with each other, I always made a point to sit down next to Republican men. Of course, most of them were, so it wasn't difficult. But I made a point not to hang out with just women because you build relationships that way absolutely critical that they get to know you. And when they're discussing a bill in a legislative committee, it's very common to kind of discuss it, you know, a little bit while you're sitting there. You can help persuade people. 
and it makes you more open-minded and it helps you build relationships. Did that help your political agenda ultimately, doing that? Absolutely. I mean, you have to realize in Utah, we have five Democrats in the Senate, five, and out of 29. Okay, we have a super minority in Utah, in the House and the Senate. That's what I had to work with. But I think it's all about building relationships with the other side. I wish our Congress would do more of that. It's, it's, it's critical that we can put some of those things aside and really do what's best for our communities and our people. You know, put politics aside and think about building coalitions with people who share commonalities. This is a big theme with her, the need to talk to others who do not agree with you. She says it's vital for more women to enter politics. And there's some evidence that in the wake of the U.S. presidential election, that's actually happening. I had a marvelous experience as a politician. We need women in politics. I can't tell you, I mean, I'll give you an example. I was the only woman on the law enforcement committee when I was in the House. And they pack that committee with pro-gun legislators. By that meaning that, you know, advocate more the NRA position. That's the National Rifle Association. All of the gun bills would go through that committee. And I remember there was, at the time, there was a debate about whether the University of Utah should be forced to allow guns on campus. That was the big debate when I was in that committee. Well, we would hear over and over that concealed weapons permit holders are law-abiding citizens, and that was just part of the discussion. So just to break that down, especially if you're not a U.S. listener, so a concealed weapon permit holder, someone who holds a permit to carry a weapon somewhere on their person that they can whip out in the event that they need it. Pat says she was worried. You know, this was about weapons on a university campus. Who were these people who were allowed to carry guns around in an area with hundreds and hundreds of students and professors? Her male colleagues argued, look, they've been vetted to get these permits. They're upstanding citizens. And so one day, and it seems like I was one of the few that would ask questions in that committee. She asked, how many of these permits are revoked every year and why? And no one had ever asked that question before. It took a woman, the only woman on the committee, to ask that question. And it turns out there were hundreds revoked every year for very serious crimes. And so after that point, when people would automatically say that concealed weapons permit holders were law-abiding citizens, I would always point out, yes, until they break the law. But that's just one example of many that I could point to, that if you have no women on a committee or maybe one on a committee, you need a critical mass of women who can ask pointed questions before I move on, can I just ask what happened in that case? I mean, are, are people allowed to, to just carry open weapons at that university? Yes, yes, it passed. The University of Utah was forced to allow concealed weapons on campus. Yes, and in fact, one of the bills that passed later on when I was in the Senate was we have a state gun. We have a state tree We have a state song, we have a state bird, go down the list, and we have a state gun. 
And I think that's unfortunate. And I was there fighting that also in the Senate committee. You know, not all women and not all men feel the same way on, on those issues, on, for instance, guns. But I can tell you that women, based on the research we've done over and over in my former business, that women and men feel differently in the aggregate about guns. And with you don't have a woman's voice at the table asking those kinds of questions, you will get policies like we do today. She remembers another time when she cringed at what she was hearing. One year when she was a congresswoman, Utah's House of Representatives was debating a bill on affordable childcare. And one of the male representatives from a very conservative area stood up and said, we don't need more childcare. We need to do away with the need for childcare. And I looked at my uh, colleague, a woman next to me, and I said, does that mean we get rid of kids? It's critical that we are at the table and that we share our views and our experiences to help shape public policy that affects us, us. Those kinds of views on women's role as homemaker are hanging on in Utah. In February, a Republican politician wrote to his local newspaper opposing equal pay for women. He said if businesses were forced to pay women the same as men, they'd have to reduce the amount they paid men. And he said that would make it harder for men to support their families and more mothers would be forced to leave the home and join the workforce. There was quite a backlash and he ended up resigning. To many people in Utah, as elsewhere, equal pay is a matter of simple fairness. But the whole topic of gender equality can still be fraught. Pat says in a conservative state like hers, you can't make equality about politics and make any progress. In Utah, just over a quarter of people voted for Hillary Clinton. Plenty of Pat's friends loathe her. And the word feminism, it tends not to go down well. She says as head of the Women's Leadership Institute, she talks up women's economic impact on businesses because that's something all business leaders can understand. She also emphasizes how much better off both men and women will be if women are doing better at work. But sometimes getting there takes a roundabout route. Recently, she set off to give a talk. There's a company that's a very large construction company. They own gravel trucks. I mean, it's very large. They're housed in the most conservative city, Provo, okay, Provo-Orem area in Utah. And uh, the head of it asked me to come down and tell him a little bit about the Elevate Her Challenge in the Women's Leadership Institute. I drove up early in the morning. There were pickup trucks all over the place with gun racks and so forth. I knew I was, you know, in for a challenge. And I went in there, and it was all men. They, it was their executive team. All their vice presidents were there. I started talking about the Women's Leadership Institute, why it was important, and, you know, kind of crickets, if you will. You know, they were kind of looking at their phones and so forth. So I thought, I'm going to, in my mind, I'm going to change the discussion here. She started talking about research she'd read on how men and women are quite different and how those differences can complement each other in the workplace. But she wanted to appeal to the men directly to get their attention. And I said to them, I just dropped everything, and I said, you know, it's very difficult working in your environment right now and bringing in women. I said, men are confused about the rules today. They don't know what to call women, ladies, women, you know, girls. They don't know whether they should compliment them on what they're wearing. They're, they're concerned about reverse discrimination. 
they're wondering, can I go to lunch alone with a woman in my office if we talk about business? They're concerned about that. Uh, you go down the list of things that men are worried about today working in the office with women. And as soon as I started talking about it in this way, where the men felt understood, uh, something they'd never heard a woman talk about before, they put their phones down, crossed their arms across their bellies, and started listening to me. So I bet some of you are fuming at this, the idea of indulging the privileged white male psyche to get those men to embrace equality. But Pat says you have to meet people where they are. And this way... It's a first step to getting roomfuls of conservative men to actually care about elevating women into senior roles at their companies. She says unlike Provo, where she gave that talk, Salt Lake City, where she lives, is quite a diverse place. There's a mix of religions, more of an ethnic mix than elsewhere in the state, and a gay population. She laments that Utah has kind of a bad rap. I've traveled extensively in my legislative career and in my business. And once you tell people that, that you're from Utah, there's like stone-cold silence. They, they wonder, you know, how many husbands you have. They wonder, you know, are you stuck at home? This is a very vibrant culture here, very different than most people who haven't been here. We have some issues. Yes, we do have a wide wage gap. We have very few women in political office, and we're working on that. We have women that start college, but they don't finish to the extent we'd like them to. But... The women here are incredibly forward-thinking, looking for new ways to do things. We have an incredible number of women who are starting their own businesses in their homes and outside of their homes, and great executives that are moving here. But we have some work to do in some areas, and that's what we're doing. You can check out the Women's Leadership Institute at WLIUT.com. Pat just mentioned women starting their own businesses in Utah. In the next show, we're going to meet one of those women. And unlike Pat, she was raised in a strict religious home. I was like on just this dogma treadmill to winning heaven and just would never have expected that I would need to have a career. And I certainly wouldn't have expected to be, you know, financially caring for myself and my children 20 years into that experience. Tune in for that next time. And thanks to those of you who left a comment under that episode I did about how open to be about your home life when you're working in other cultures. And if you've left a comment on any other episode recently, you know, one of the things I love about the podcast is this feeling that I'm building a community of people who can offer each other useful perspectives and generally help each other. It's one of the most rewarding things about doing the podcast. So thank you. I'm Ashley Miltite. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.